Good morning, Memphis, and welcome to the number one morning show in the city of Memphis. All thanks to you guys. We have a big show, so we're just going to jump into it. Let me set the table who is going to be joining the show. We're pulling in Todd Starnes in our number two. Um, Todd is a very busy man, so we don't do that just because we are lacking of guests. We do that because Todd is the host of a national show for a reason, because he's spot on with analysis. And there are a couple different stories I wanted to ask him about. So he has been generous this morning with his time. He will join us in hour number two, as well as the sole Republican that is taking on a slew of Democrats to become the next General Sessions court clerk. And that is a woman by the name of Lisa Arnold. Have you heard of her? Well, she is going to be joining the show at 835. Again, the Republican candidate for Shelby County General Sessions court clerk. And we know that the courts are mayhem. And she has spent over 40 years in the court system down at 201 Poplar. She was a bond agent for years. And she is promising to clean that up. So we will talk to her. And then coming up in a couple minutes, we'll be joined by Steve Gill to cover a couple different stories. Some of the big ones, of course, the the shooting yesterday in Kansas City. It's just awful. And we're going to jump into that in one moment. Then also, Congress alerted Americans that there was a huge national security threat. And as the day went on, more information trickled into the news bunker. And is it as big of a threat as they're telling us that it is? Axios Politico reporting it involves Russia and them not having actual nukes yet. The actual nuke program to shoot them up into the sky and target our satellites. But they could be. So therefore, you need to House Republicans pass our almost $100 billion funding bill for Ukraine. See how this works? We'll jump into that as well. But a story locally, speaking of government overreach, in my opinion, this is. And this is a issue I'm, I'm seeing with some Republicans in the state of Tennessee. I think they have a lot of good intentions behind some of the legislation that ends up in the state house. But for example, the other day we were talking about the legislation. Well, it, was, it was banned social media on Devices for kids under 18. Again, noble thought, right? Like social media is objectively harmful for young people. But the legislation would basically get parents, the TikTok, the social media companies, Instagram, Facebook in trouble as well. And the conversation we had with a couple great contributors, I believe that was Bob Hendry and Vicki Gandy, it smelled of government overreach. And traditionally, conservatives are the party of less government. Um, and the, the left is the party of more government. So the question I have for you this morning is this, again, governmental overreach when it looks like there could be a ban on cold beers in our state. Now, again, the intention behind this legislation, which is a Senate bill put forward by Senator Paul Rose, a Republican. And then on the House side, it is Ron Gant. And you'll hear from Ron in a couple minutes. House or Senate Bill 2636 would prohibit a beer permit from being able to be obtained by a business to sell retail refrigerator refrigerated or cold beer. So basically, if you go into a gas station, you know, along with the 
energy drinks. You've got the bottled water. And then you've got, I don't know, the protein shakes. Then there is the refrigerator for all of the beer. This legislation would ban that. No longer could these franchises, these gas stations, these mom and pop gas stations that pop up all across this area and across the state, no longer can you do that. Well, the reason why, we'll take a listen to the representative in his own words. He told WREG this in Cut 24. So this is a opportunity to bring a deterrent to those bad actors that want to go into a convenience store, retail store, and conveniently have access to cold beer. We see the the evidence in many accidents where uh, alcohol is found in the car, you know, beer cans, beer bottles, and we also see it on the side of the roads. All right, so he also cites in this legislation a stat by the Tennessee Department of Transportation, which says one out of three fatal deadly crashes involves a DUI. Now, I would love to see the data in those numbers, right? If one out of three deaths, car crash deaths in in the state of Tennessee is a result of a DUI, do we know that the person getting behind a wheel of a car inebriated got their alcohol, got their beer from a gas station? Because if we want to go down that road and we want to ban Deaths, like that's the end goal, right? No more deaths due to DUIs, which is terrible. No one should ever get behind the wheel of a car and drive drunk. But if that is the end goal, why don't you just ban alcohol altogether? Because I can tell you right now, you can you can place this bill and it moved through the Senate yesterday. It will go over into the House. The governor would have to sign it. Um, you can do that, but to... Believe or think for one second that it is going to end drinking and driving, you are mistaken. It also hurts a lot of businesses, local breweries in town. For example, WREG and Fox 13 caught up with a couple different business owners. We'll start with a gas station owner in town, owns eight different gas stations. Guy's name is Ruzaman Shah. And here is what he had to say. 21. And as you can see on a cooler door here, we have maybe four or five doors, uh, single beer. People are coming and grab it. I don't know why they were trying to do it. So it looked like they're trying to get off, out of business for small pop and mom stores. They are the ones that are going to hurt big time if they can take it out. They shouldn't approve it because they need to consider about the small mom and pop owners for their store. They are getting their business. They're trying to do it, survival their life on small stores. If they did it, if they approve it, you know, there's a lot of store going to be shut down. So that gas station owner also cited that 25% of his sales come from the beer cooler in the back of his gas station. Now, you'll also hear from the head brewer over at Memphis Made. I've been to this brewery. It's really cute. I'm not a beer guy, to be honest. This isn't why it's bothering me. Um, I just think it reeks of government overreach, just being completely honest. Again, good intention, The are, but are the means justifying the end? That's really the question. Here is a guy by the name of Drew Barton, head brewer over at Memphis and Made. He also agrees with Ruzeman Shaw that this is going to kill business sales. 
There's only a handful of accounts that put our beer on a warm shelf. Package sales are, you know, somewhere around 40 to 50 percent of our sales, and you know, if 90 percent of that is cold. So, would love to hear from you guys. Do you support this legislation or are you against it? It won't affect me, to be honest. Not because I don't grab a beer once in a while, but when I do, I typically just go to a liquor store. Would they be allowed to sell the beer? This is my other question. If it wasn't cold, like if it's just sitting in cases on the floor of a gas station, I think no. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to get these two guys on the morning show to break down the legislation. But again, you cannot legislate stupid behavior and irresponsible people. You can try, but at what point does it become a little bit insane? For example, there is a conversation. I also have a story where they want to ban Stanley Cups. Not on the state side, but different schools across the Mid-South area. And you'll see how the two stories connect. They want to actually ban Stanley Cups because they keep on creating problems at school. We talked about the Houston High School Stanley Cup feud where it ended up being the weapon of choice. Think of like a clue game. Miss Peacock in the lounge with a knife. Well, in this case, it was a couple of girls, white girls, in a bathroom at Houston High with a Stanley Cup. And one of them beat up the girl Gosh, it was terrible. And they did face actual charges, which is good. There was another story, though. This happened over in Southwest Elementary School in Williston, which is not too far from here. A fourth grade girl allegedly hit her teacher in the head with a Stanley Cup. <laughs> it's not funny. This, the actual principal of this school, this elementary school, she has been fired because she did not report all of the details to authorities. It's been a crazy story. So again, there's a conversation happening in schools right now. Should we ban these wildly popular Stanley Cups? As a matter of fact, WREG Channel 3 talked to a law enforcement officer with the, um, this is the Fayette County Deputy's Office. And here is what he had to say. Take a listen, 22. Definitely, anytime uh, you're you're looking at something being used potentially as a weapon like that uh, and and not knowing the level of injury, uh, again, we still don't know what happened, how badly uh, the teacher was injured or or what led up to this. I don't think that that's the case. In fact, uh, I don't even know at this point if if that was a cup that belonged to a student or a teacher. Uh, So so we're just not sure, but uh, I think our bigger issue is just finding out what happened. So a lot of these schools are now having these conversations about do we change our policies surrounding these these Stanley Cups. Dylan, is this not insanity? Might as well just ban the books too. Right? Ban anything that's hard. Ban jump ropes. I remember tying up a kid once at I got, school. I got stabbed with a pencil. You got stabbed school. with a pencil? Ban a pencil. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you cannot ban stupid, dumb behavior. These, it's a fourth grader. I don't know what the teacher did to piss off the fourth grader, but apparently it was bad enough that she thought she should take a cup to the teacher's head. I'm not advocating for that. <laughs> so we want to hear from you. Yes or no. Do we ban Stanley Cups and do Tennessee lawmakers ban cold beer?
It's a course crackdown happening in the state of Tennessee. Give us a shout. 901-260-5926. And welcome back to the morning show. Joined right now by Steve Gill, political contributor. We typically talk to him at... 735, but he had a very busy, busy morning, and we love to accommodate our friends of the morning show. Steve, welcome back. How are you? Thanks, and uh, loving uh, a little bit of warm weather in February, so let's enjoy it while we can. I certainly agree with you there. All right, we're going to tackle a couple different stories, but let's start with someone who's familiar with the morning show, Congressman Mark Green, the House Homeland Security, making a pretty shocking announcement yesterday planning to retire. Um, A lot of people are shocked because he was one of the good ones, but maybe it's because he is a good congressman. He's not staying in and spending the rest of his life there like Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, and I think uh, it it was shocking and surprising. (coughs) But but with uh, his decision that he's not going to seek re-election, the timetable for people to pull a petition, qualify for the election for the August Republican primary is, is like right on us. And election day, when you look at it, it's only about 100 days uh, from beginning early voting. So the, the timetable is going to be very quick for anybody who decides to pull a petition and, and run. I think this merits in favor of people who have uh, the ability to self-fund because the ability to raise a lot of money starting from scratch today, knowing that you have a race in an area that, that covers uh, Montgomery County, some counties uh, west of Nashville, and part of Davidson County and a small portion of Williamson County, there are a lot of people who could run, but they're going to have to be able to, to, to raise money and, and get a campaign started quickly. Uh, the real question is, why is Mark leaving? I talked to several people, actually talked with a couple of members of Congress uh, last night. Uh, the the um, speculation is that he is going to spend this summer campaigning for Donald Trump rather than spend the summer campaigning for re-election himself, uh, probably move into a transition position with Donald Trump, you know, during the uh, fall, after the uh, primaries were conducted, both candidates, Biden and and Trump, presumably the candidates, will uh, start assembling a transition team to begin the process of how do you get into government, assuming you win. You have to get prepared because there's not much time between the actual election and taking over in January. So uh, I think he's going to get involved in that transition. And you may see Mark uh, Green as National Security Advisor as Secretary of Defense, Secretary of the Army. I think that's the path he's headed. All right. Also, um, that's really interesting. And I want to spend more time, but we've got to move on um, because there's also some rumors flying around. I was reading a piece in Axios and they were suggesting that he could potentially run for governor. That is something that has been floated around. I've also heard that. So the guy is a patriot. He is very gifted and talented. So his options into his future career, as you point out, are limitless. Speaking of national security, um, can we talk about the huge national security threat yesterday where Congress basically came forward to Americans and said, listen, you all are going to die probably, but we can't actually tell you what the threat is. At the same time, you have the White House coming forward to the podium and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan basically using this moment of panic to push House Republicans to go forward with almost a $100 billion 
Ukraine, and a couple other different countries funding package, Steve. Yeah, what, what an amazing coincidence that as the Ukraine package appears in dire straits in the House, uh, suddenly we have this, hey, there might, there might be a major national security threat. We can't tell you about it, but we need to pass the money for Ukraine just in case. Uh, and apparently what it's revolving around is speculation, let me underline the word speculation, that Russia may be considering putting weapons in space, and they're throwing out the nuke term, whether that's the case or not, uh, that they may put weapons in space that would be able to shoot down satellites in space. Uh, this is uh, arguably a violation of a 1960 era. Uh, we're not going to weaponize space uh, agreement that the U.S. and Russia and others uh, entered into. Keep in mind that the U.S. and Russia also entered into a specific agreement not very long ago that uh, NATO would not expand closer to Russia, meaning they would not, for example, expand uh, Ukraine to be a member of NATO because that would be a threat to Russia. Uh, there was an agreement that there would be no expansion of NATO into Ukraine, and America and NATO have broken that promise, broken that contract, which is what helped precipitate Russia going into Ukraine. So when we start talking about breaking agreements, uh, the U.S. needs to be first in line to say, yeah, we've done the same thing. If, in fact, Russia has done anything to break the agreement. Now, a lot of what's leaking out from the national security officials is that Russia hasn't put any weapons in space. They're just thinking about whether they would. So, again, I think it is crystal clear. This is about, you know, extorting through threat another $60 billion for Ukraine rather than a real national security threat. Now, members of Congress are going to get a briefing today. But if the briefing is what's being leaked, that Russia might be thinking about it, that, that is not a national security threat at this immediate time. It is a threat to those who are profiting from $60 billion more going to Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to stay on this. I will play more audio in the next segment just because we don't have time, but it's very fascinating. I think it's very nefarious and devious, and you lay all of that out. Speaking of a cover-up, though... I expect that this story in Kansas City, Missouri, where just devastating, leaving one person dead, at least 21 others injured, including eight children. It turned a Super Bowl victory celebration into a nightmare will quickly go away. And that's because we're learning more about the perpetrators of this mass shooting. But first, I want you to take a listen to the the, the audio of what happened in the middle of this big celebration game. We'll come back and talk about it because so almost immediately you've got guys like rich eisen with the nfl he says nine children nine children who went to a parade to celebrate their super bowl team when are we going to do something collectively and realize there's a gun problem in our country and do something sensible for our kids so i'll let you take a stab at it more gun laws prevent something like we saw yesterday yeah, well, apparently one of the weapons that uh, one of the alleged perpetrators was caught with was an AK-47. Um, it, it, who takes an AK-47 to a celebration parade other than if you intend to cause harm? Uh, again, uh, we, we aren't seeing the pictures of these uh, guys. I think I've seen one picture. Uh, he's not wearing his MAGA hat and not wearing his NRA sweatshirt, so I'm, I'm not sure uh, what his possible motivation might have been. Uh, but the bottom line is that... Uh, uh, this is going to get the screams and howls. If we need more gun control, 
Uh, I doubt that these guys obtain these weapons legally. I doubt that these guys uh, have a clean record in the past. And uh, this story will disappear very quickly because they don't fit the um, yeah. perception of white guys who are Trump supporters committing these crimes. Yep, same situation with what happened down in Houston at the mega church. there. Story's gone. Yeah, transgender right. shoot. Again, it disappears from the news immediately. It's it's really disgusting. You know, you can cherry pick a lot of things, but you shouldn't cherry pick what mass shootings you're going to pitch your tent at and cover and ignore other ones. But again, it just speaks to the sickness of our media and why Americans collectively don't trust them, which is a very good thing, except they trust you, Steve, and I trust you. So thank you for breaking down those stories. Got a scoop. Thanks for dropping by. Thanks, my friend. Talk to you next Monday. All right. Good stuff. On the other side of the break, we're going to flesh out both of those stories a little bit more. Also, did you know in town there has been over, I believe it was 11,000 cars stolen yesterday? I'll tell you a funny story about me walking through my parking garage thinking that I was one of the latest victims of a car theft. It was not. I finally found it. I think I was sleepwalking. Um, I was going crazy, though. I was like... Oh, no, I'm one of the victims. Actually, Memphis Memphis police reporting 12,555 car thefts last year, nearly 10,000 year before that. What is that? Like almost 22,000 cars stolen off Memphis streets in under two years. It's unbelievable. We'll jump into those details as well. Don't go away. And welcome back to the morning show. All right, let's jump into a couple more of these stories. Dylan, get ready to read some comments this morning. I've received a couple emails and we'll read those. Kind of see where the people are at on some of these issues. But I did want to spend a second to kind of go through the events of yesterday. I am so lucky that I was not in the studio. I had to run out for a medical appointment. And then I went on a pretty long run. And while I'm running, my notifications are turned off or are muted. And I wrapped up my run and I turned on my phone and my phone quite literally blew up because not only was there a couple different shootings across the nation, we were being told by Congress that we could potentially be nuked. Okay, not quite, but the panic Um, with reporting from our mainstream media suggested that we could be under attack. For example, want you to take a listen to the media going crazy with this report that was dropped yesterday afternoon by House Intelligence Committee Chair, he's a Republican from Ohio, Mike Turner. He tweeted out a vague statement warning of serious national security threats. And here is how the media responded. Cut 14. We have new reporting on a cryptic message that the House Intelligence Committee released on social media about a, quote, serious national security threat. What do we know about this? I, cryptic is the right word. We still have more questions than answers at this point. This must be a grave situation for the chair of the Intelligence Committee uh, to make such a bold statement. The threat is related to Russia. It's not that Martians are going to land right now uh, in the U.S., but it is something of concern. Well, that's good. How did, how did Andrea Mitchell over on MSNBC know that it wasn't Martians? Because 
we know because we talked to Congressman Tim Burchett that we could be sharing this space with aliens. But no, it wasn't that because we started learning new details as reported by Jackie Heinrich at Fox News. Take a listen to this in cut number 18. Uh, well, John, I've, I've just been speaking with a, a Pentagon uh, official, and they confirmed to me that this uh, has to do with a threat related to space. Uh, we already have from our other sourcing um, that there has been reporting on the Hill uh, that sources here have confirmed is in the ballpark, uh, which which is that it has to do with a an emerging capability from Russia that would be of grave seriousness, um, potentially, but that the threat is not immediate. All right. So the threat was not immediate, but it was very grave and very serious. And Americans naturally started to get a little bit anxious, start buying more canned goods, looking for bunkers. Quite literally, I was on Zillow. I typed in bunker and they do not have bunkers on Zillow. Or apartments.com. Um, so anyhow, meanwhile, all of this is happening. Lawmakers in the halls of Congress are telling Americans, you should be concerned. Very, very treacherous areas in days we are now in with this very serious threat. But please don't panic. Don't go crazy. Take a listen to this. You've got lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. You'll hear from people like Jamie Raskin, the Democrat, up into the House Speaker, Mike Johnson. Take a listen in cut number 15. There's really no cause for panic or alarm around this particular piece of intelligence. Concern, uh, serious. That's all I can say right now. This is a serious issue. There are many serious issues that we undertake all the time, uh, but there's no need to panic. Uh, this is not an immediate crisis. This is one more thing to worry about in terms of Vladimir Putin and his attack on democracy and freedom. I want to assure the American people there is no need for public alarm. We are going to work together to address this matter as we do all sensitive matters that are classified. Okay, so after I heard all of that, I called my parents and I said, I still love you just as much as I did 10 minutes ago, but I think I can sleep tonight knowing that I will see you maybe at Easter time because as soon as I got this alert on my phone that Americans were going to be under attack potentially. I called everybody in my contact list and told them how much I love them and um, I will miss them when I am nothing but dust. <laughs> it's not funny. But the shenanigans by lawmakers who want to use your tax dollars to go into war in Eastern Europe is kind of ludicrous. That's why I'm laughing because they think we're stupid. They think that you are actually unintelligent to not know what shenanigans they are all up to. We are on them. We're not, I, I, it doesn't take having some top level security clearance to see how obvious this is. Because as all of this is happening, the media's in a frenzy. Lawmakers are speaking out both sides of their mouth. You've got the national security advisor, Jake Sullivan. He runs into the White House briefing room and tells reporters this, which is, don't panic, but this is a great opportunity and a reminder why we need Ukrainian funding packages. One as big as $100 billion, cut 13. 
This bipartisan legislation will allow the United States to continue to support the people of Ukraine alongside our allies and partners as they fight every single day to defend their freedom and independence. Can you tell Americans that there's nothing they have to worry about right now in terms of what he describes as a national security threat? Look, I think in a way that question um, is impossible to answer with a straight yes, right? As Politico pointed out, and I highlighted this and wrote it down, it's possible that Mike Turner, the Republican from Ohio, was attempting to raise alarms about Russia's advancements in space as a way of underscoring the need for lawmakers to approve additional aid to Ukraine. They go on to say the Senate passed the supplemental bill, including billions and billions of dollars for Kiev, and it is currently under review in the House of Representatives. As Axios pointed out, if you read between the lines, one theory is that this Republican wants his fellow Republicans to taking in the Russia threat more seriously and therefore funding Ukraine to wage war against Putin. Now, I'm not going to war. I don't want to fight in Eastern Europe, I don't want to go over to the Middle East. I would be the age that I would probably be drafted. Many of our listeners have children and grandchildren that would also be shipped overseas to fund someone else's problem. Their problem is not mine. We'll talk about it more with Todd Starnes, who is a America first patriot, not an America last patriot. In our number two. Okay, so back at home, cars are being stolen off streets every day. I am leaving my apartment at about 4.45 this morning. I always park on level three of my parking garage. For some reason, I parked on four. Did not recall that. If I don't park on three, it's always on two. I can never park on four because that just means a longer commute down an elevator across the street and up into my apartment. So I get out of the elevator and I'm hitting my key fob and I'm not hearing the beep from my Nissan Sentra. So I get back in the elevator and I go to level two and I get to ground floor two, whatever. And I'm also going ham on the key fob. I'm not hearing my car alarm and that sent alarms internally. I start running through that parking garage. And at this point I'm on floor number two. I run up the ramp to floor three to floor Four, and finally found my car, and I thanked God that I was not a victim of a car theft. There are other Memphians that are not as lucky. As I pointed out in the last segment as we were going to break, did you know that last year alone, there were over 12,555 cars stolen? Did you also know that only 1 in 10 of those cars that are stolen ever get solved, those cases around? So, the chances of your car being stolen and then being recovered and you actually knowing who stole your car is about 10%. Here is one woman speaking to a local media station in town. Name is Josie Geralds. She lets her daughter borrow her car. The next thing she knows, her car is gone. Take a listen to this. It was parked at my daughter's house. She woke up the next morning and it was gone. The cops were calling me 
at the same time, she was calling me to tell me that it was stolen. And they were like, do you know where your car is? Police had found it out of gas in the middle of Elvis Presley. It looked like they had just been doing donuts or something. I mean, it devastated me and my finances. I ended up with all the excess on that, plus having to come up with a down payment for a car. I was Ubering when I didn't have a rental car, um, asking for rides. You know, you couldn't go get groceries because nobody wanted to go and wait at the grocery store with you. You know, it just life is hard. Now, Dylan, your girlfriend, I guess fiance now did not have her car stolen. It was broken into and they stole some valuable things. I guess maybe car insurance helps with that. But I don't know. It's still a huge loss. Yeah, those window workers are putting in that work. Yeah. It's like they always break the window. So outside of accountability for these thugs that are breaking into cars and stealing them, I mean, we're talking about 50 cars every single day being stolen off of our streets. What should the consequence be? I want to find their parents and the parents of said thuglings need to spend and pay for that woman's car. Mm-hmm. You know That's what I'm saying? It's an expensive loss. It's, it's devastating. We had the mom on Sunday that was carjacked. Her car became the vehicle that was used in that crime shooting spree across the city of Memphis. She's lost her job. Why? Well, because she cannot pay Ubers to get her and transport her to work. So now she's unable to feed her kids because of our criminal court system. So maybe if the parents, because we know that parental involvement is not a thing here in Shelby County for a lot of families, broken families, Maybe just maybe the judicial commissioners that keep on releasing these thuglings back out onto the streets can pick up the bill and buy them new cars. I actually am declaring that this morning that if and this is write this down. You are my penman, Dylan. If a car is stolen by a thugling that has been in and out of the juvenile court system The magistrate, judge, or whoever the hell let that person out of jail must buy them a Porsche. (laughs) A Porsche. (laughs) And that is on the record. All right, I wrote it down. Get Get that in writing. We're going to send that over to the state legislature and see if they'll take up that bill. We'll see how that goes. Good stuff. Glad we got that out of the way. All right, 901 260 5926 Number again, 901-260-5926. More on the other side. All right, we're going to rip through a couple different stories. So yesterday, and welcome back to the morning show, Ben Dieter here. Um, It was Valentine's Day, so everybody's getting together. I kind of was exhausted by the entire day, by the time it was over. And I think that's because I am not in love. Okay. So I want you all to have extreme sympathy for me, for the single people that would be empathy. Um, I did not delete my social media apps. And I had told everyone, if you are not in love, I'm getting emotional, to, to, to delete Instagram and Facebook. Everybody felt like it was important to post a photo of the person that they are married to. I guess that's good, especially knowing that the statistics are that one in two marriages end in divorce. <laughs> so at least it was being celebrated yesterday. Don't get a divorce. 
I will say the single guys out there, it was really funny. And a couple single girls I saw on Instagram, they said, "Who needs who who needs a lover when you have a gym?" Mm, no, not the same thing. I get you're trying to compensate, you're trying to cope, but a gym is not the same thing as a good date. Speaking of dates, here's one that had the entire internet talking and the world of politics. As the New York Post wrote it, Cupid trained his bow on a pair of political elites. We're talking about Huma Abedin. She is the ex-wife of Anthony Weiner. You remember Anthony Weiner? <laughs> I don't want to talk about Anthony Weiner this morning. Now, why is he back in the news? So uh, you guys remember the scandal with these two. He kept on cheating with Hillary Clinton's top staffer, which is Huma. So anyways... She has been out of love for a while now. It was a really nasty divorce, and there were photos that were being leaked on both sides. It was really, really nasty. So anyway, she's dating again. Guess who she's dating? I, I, I miss Anthony Weiner because she's dating the son of George Soros, Alex Soros, the 38-year-old that's taken over his father's open, what is it, Society Foundation? And he's a billionaire, so I mean... You looked at the photo on Instagram. They posted a photo together and his arm is around Huma. And on the table, there were a couple different necklace boxes and jewelry boxes. So she's going to be fine. Um, It's a $25 billion empire that he acquired. But why this is making a lot of people talk is not only is she a Democratic operative, she's getting in bed literally and figuratively with one of the worst families in American history. One of the most destructive families this country has ever seen. We see it every single day in Memphis, right? They are the reason that we have a George Soros-backed and funded district attorney, Steve Moroy, though he claims that he has never accepted any donations by this family. In other news, um, on a serious note, we know that there is shootings in this country that are happening more frequently Every single, what feels like every month. I mean, it's awful. And we need to have some serious conversations about these notices that we are being alerted to. Um, For example, this shooting down in Houston, this maniac transgender shooter had been flagged so many times. It's not funny. There were a group of women that actually held a presser following the shooting that said, we told authorities, you need to keep your eye on this trans dude. Girl, weird, right? They didn't, and there was a shooting. Um, So we know that there are trainings, there are drills. Well, there is a teacher that has been placed on administrative leave. This comes out of the state of California, an elementary teacher, for having one of these drills. Now, it's being called an unhinged active shooter drill, and that is why she is on leave, because she went around the elementary school And according to a police report, allegedly walked around the campus pretending to shoot people using finger movements and saying boom, boom. And the kids were to pretend like this was an active shooting, right? The goal was to prepare these children to be prepared in the case of something very, very horrible. So she decided to take her her matters into her own hand leave protocol behind and exercise her own drill. Dylan, I'm not kidding you. Some of the kids in the classroom 
were as young as four years old. Teachers walking around saying, boom, boom, boom. Employees said that this teacher even announced that seven students were killed in the mock drill. Oh, my. This is not how it's done. (laughs) That, mm -hmm. (laughs) that she's crazy. She's got to be crazy. So the district released a statement, this type of drill where a scenario was not run and it is not approved by the district nor part of our district protocol um, is why she is on administrative leave. Mm hmm. And a lot of parents are saying she needs to absolutely be fired for this. Speaking of another story, um, do we have time for this? I think we do. Do you guys remember Rachel Dolezal? She made a lot of headlines back, what was it, 2015, when she she was like a spokesperson for the NAACP. Um, she was running around getting advantages, claiming to be a black woman, actually like crimping her hair to make her appear like a black woman, but she was a white woman. She was born a white woman and she was cosplaying as a black woman and getting all of the advantages that our society affords to black Americans as a result. So apparently she's been very busy, um, not just teaching students because she's left that job and she was a teacher in, well, where was this? Arizona. She was an Arizona elementary school teacher. Well, it turns out that she's also in the evening hours Posting on an OnlyFans account. <laughs> this is unbelievable. And it was funny because yesterday, and that is an adult only uh, website, there was pieces being floated around. Teacher fired for having OnlyFans account. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, oh, that's crazy, but not out of the norm. I mean, we've seen this before. And then I clicked on the story and it was Rachel Dulazel. I'm like, way to bury the lead. That is literally burying the lead. In an egregious way. So anyways, the race faker is now out of a job, but she made about $2,000 every time she posted on this OnlyFans account, and she was making $19 teaching an hour. So is it actually a loss for Rachel Dulazel, who is a faker and a fraud? Anyways, a couple niche stories, but thought we would lighten it up a little bit before we go into our number two which is going to be a jam-packed show my boss todd starnes dropping by also we are going to be talking to the sole republican challenging a group of democrats including tammy sawyer for that shelby county general sessions court clerk seat Um, that's important lisa arnold is a very experienced woman and she'll join the show at 8 35 and explain how she can clean up potentially fix a broken criminal court and general court system as well. So that all on the other side of the break. Don't go away. Welcome back to the morning show. All right. This is going to be a jam-packed hour. So stand by. It's going to be, it's going to be good though. But yesterday was a news cycle that I have not seen in a hot minute. Just so much breaking news um, and some great reporting coming out of this building. Got to give some props to Earl Farrell, the host of the afternoon show, and then also my good friend Todd Starnes, who is going to be joining the show in a couple minutes. But I wanted to spend a moment on yesterday what we saw in Kansas City, Missouri. 
that shooting that claimed at least one life and at least 21 others injured started at at about 2 p.m. local time near a parking garage at Union Station. That is where the big Super Bowl victory celebration was taking place. There was a stage that was set up for the Chiefs. We have some audio of the guys up there, the football players, um, celebrating as they should when this took place. Take a listen, cut six. Um, terrifying um, to hear that gunfire. It happened in real time, as you can imagine. Some of the surveillance video is unbelievable. Um, you've got all of these local TV stations and even the national media there doing live broadcasts when they look over their shoulder and they start to hear people screaming, seeing people running as the gunshots that you just heard were taking place. Here is Channel 41 in Kansas City. This is the moment they realized that something was happening. A nightmare. Take a listen in cut five. He said it was, he was a caged tiger pacing back there. Uh, we've got a uh, crowds are dispersing. I think they're trying to, um, a lot of them. It looks like to... they're running. Wait, yeah, we might have a situation here we're trying to keep an eye on. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on what's happening out in the crowd here at the new station. We should let you know the crowds are dispersing rather quickly. And it looks a little different than in normal years. Yeah, we got a lot of people running a lot of We're not sure directions. if they're rushing to their vehicles or to the shuttles or if there is some sort of disturbance, but we'll definitely let you know. We, I can see people jumping the fence right now, and I'm not sure exactly where it is they are going to. There has been a heavy police presence here all day, um, and we certainly thank those law enforcement officers who are on the scene trying to keep people safe, but at this point we don't know if there is a safety concern quite possible. Um, Some people in the crowd are telling us to get down. Yeah, they're moving everybody indoors here as well. Okay, folks are moving indoors. We're going to try to figure out exactly what is taking place here. But you can see some folks kind of moving with pace right now. And at this point, I don't know if we have a cruise back in the station who maybe want to take over for the audio so we can duck down if that is a concern for our safety out here. We're working on that. Um. So usually what happens after this, there is a private ceremony inside Union Station for several of the players. That Channel 41 crew then did exactly what you just heard. They dropped down and took cover as all of this was playing. There are viral videos, and I want you to go to ToddStarns.com. He has some of this video that we're talking and you're hearing from. And as I... As I saw some of the reports coming in, initially it was 10 people were shot, then that number increased to 15, and it went up to 21. One one woman who is being described as a very loved DJ at a local radio station, KKFL, mom of two, um, was killed. Uh, I got sad, right? Because this is this is awful. Like, genuinely, it is the worst type of crime, in my opinion, where you have these deranged human beings taking innocent lives in something that should be a celebration, not a nightmare, but it was. But as more videos started to come out and come forward, we started seeing the best of humanity as opposed to the worst of humanity, which was quite the contradiction. And a group of Kansas City Chief fans quite literally tackling, pummeling, 
and basically stabilizing one of these three detained, now detained shooters. And I want you to take a listen to one of those heroes discuss what that was like in cut three. One guy was hollering, saying, you know, stop him, or catch him, you know, tackle him, whatever. And he's just, just bailing, running. And out of nowhere, I heard that guy hollering, so I'm just like, okay, well, I'm right here. And I just, I didn't even think about it. It was just a reaction. I didn't hesitate. It was just, just do it. So I went to go tackle him, and another gentleman did the same thing. And as I'm tackling him, I see his weapon either fall out of his hand or out of his sleeve, because he was wearing a long jacket or like a Carhartt. So when I seen that hit the ground, I'm like, oh, you know, we got to take this guy down. And so, like I said, I did, and another good Samaritan did, and we held him down. And it seemed like forever, but it probably wasn't. It was like 30 seconds holding him down, and me and the other gentleman are hollering at ongoers, you know, where's the cops? Where's, you know, get the cops over here, get the cops over here. You know, we got them. Wow, complete strangers, but heroes working together. I mean, gave me chills watching the video, and again, all up on Todd's website, toddstarns.com. Um, you can see a group of people leaping on top of one man, dragging him to the ground. You see them then try to get his gun. There was a guy that spoke to the New York Post. His name is Trey Filter. He was one of those men that tackled one of these deranged shooters. And his wife was actually able to grab the firearm while her husband was tackling this guy. That is the best of humanity. All of these Kansas City Chief fans are heroes. But you watch how the narrative quickly shifts with this story. They should be leading if they are going to be consistent in how they cover mass shootings will vanish overnight because as we learn more about some of these suspects, it's not fitting the left's narrative that they need to take your guns away. Speaking of flawed narratives, this one coming out of the White House. I was on Twitter this morning, or X, and there was a Fox 5 reporter in Washington, D.C., and she said, this morning is unbelievable. The crime, the amount of homicides that took place overnight inside the, the Beltway is blowing everybody's minds. The crime in Washington is just so out of control. We know that very personally because so is ours. And we'll talk about how our mayor is addressing crime here in the Bluff City in one moment. But KJP, the press secretary, the mouthpiece for the Biden administration, was asked about crime happening across the country, but specifically in D.C. And here's what she had to say. Take a listen in cut seven. You know, in D.C., homicides are up. Crime is up. Car is spiking. Simple question. Does the president believe the nation's capital is safe for Americans from across the country to come visit? I mean, look, we, we hear the reports and see the data as well. Uh, and all violent crime anywhere is completely unacceptable, not just here in D.C. We're going to call that, them all out uh, in communities across the country. Everyone in every community in this country wants the same thing. They want their families uh, to be safe and uh, and not get into uh, uh, not get into um, you know politics on this. The president is wanting to make sure that communities feel safe, and we're not seeing that from congressional Republicans. We're just not. Uh, they continue to get in the way. The president has taken action. He he puts, he puts that in his budget every day, making sure that we uh, make communities safer. And we're just not seeing that from Republicans. And so we're going to continue to do our job here. Uh, we want Congress, uh, co- Republicans, co- congressional members to join us in that. And I'm going to leave it there. I'll see you all tomorrow. Thank- I mean, she is such a moron. Did you hear anything addressing crime 
and real concerns that Americans have. It is number issue number three for most Americans, only behind the economy and immigration. There was nothing there. Well, it's the Republicans' fault. Well, frankly, most Americans in these war-torn cities aren't buying it. Fox News, they stopped in Memphis on Monday, went to Bill Street, talked to lawmakers. Lawmakers here are pointing the finger at Democrats. Then on stop number two of the Fox News crime beat, where they are going to a couple different cities to talk about out-of-control crime, they went to St. Louis. And the folks and residents in St. Louis aren't buying that messaging either. This is all Republicans' fault. They point the finger at the Democrat Party that has destroyed St. Louis. Take a listen to this. Uh, when you hear about some of these cops not being paid, checks bouncing, the defund the police movement, what is it doing to your city? The morale of the city, the officers aren't going to work. We're losing officers left and right. You can't recruit officers when that's happening. Um, when Cory Bush and Tashara Jones called for defunding of the police, and that, what does that make it sound like? You know, they And then they said, you know, the citizens are like, well, what does that mean? No more police on the street? And they said, no, we're putting social workers on the street. But what people don't realize is the social worker doesn't go out there by themselves. They're riding in a car with a police officer. Yeah. So let's take an additional officer off the street. They're not really reducing the manpower. They're just giving them other jobs to do, and it's taken away from the street. And the citizens are suffering. They're, they're not seeing the police. They want to see the police out there, and they're not seeing them. Yeah. Find a Democrat-controlled city, and you'll find a war-torn city. And it's that simple. And they've got the George Soros-backed prosecutors as well, like we do with our district attorney. You may have missed this because it oftentimes gets unreported, but the relationship with our new mayor and the DA, DA Mulroy, should concern every single one of you. Daily Memphian reporting suggests, and there, and I'm reading a quote, Mulroy has had numerous meetings with our mayor, Paul Young. He said that they see eye to eye on criminal solutions, including environmental design, which in involves installing more streetlights, clearing vacant lots, and repairing abandoned buildings, because that will solve crime. But the bigger troubling uh, nut of this story is the fact that apparently our mayor and our DA are locked in, same page when it comes to crime. We're screwed. We'll be right back. No, no, no. We're not we're not banning Baptist martinis. They're going to potentially be banning beers, cold beers in gas stations. That's the word coming out of the state house. You got two Republican lawmakers say the cold beers in the gas stations, these convenience stores have got to go. Let's welcome on a good friend of the show who used to be on the show. Now does his own national show and has forever. Todd, welcome to the morning show. They're telling me they're not banning the Baptist Martini, but the beers, the cores, the Bud Light, that is what is going to be banned off the shelves. Yeah, so they're, they're, the argument is from the Republicans that this is going to cut back on drunk driving because people are not going to drink warm uh, Baptist martinis or, <laughs> or root beers. So I have an, I, I want to add an amendment, and maybe we could get uh, John Gillespie to add an amendment to this. I think we need to just ban ice. Maybe that's the solution here. <laughs> <laughs> just get right to the root of the problem. Right, what right. is causing the beard to get cold? Mm-hmm. Well, that's such a great point, and I kind of like trailed off on that this morning in the top of the seven. 
Is it only cold beer? Like, is it? Can they drink a warm core light, Coors Light? Like, can a gas station owner sell that, or is it only just the cold ones? Because that seems like that is very open-ended legislation, Todd. I want you to take a listen. Here is the guy behind this on the House side. Take a listen to Representative Ron Gant on how this will solve DUIs. Twenty-four. So this is a opportunity to bring a deterrent to those bad actors that want to go into a convenience store, retail store, and conveniently have access to cold beer. We see the the evidence in many accidents where uh, alcohol is found in the car, you know, beer cans, beer bottles, and we also see it on the side of the roads. All right, Todd, will it be a deterrent or is this an example of governmental overreach? Yeah, this, this is a, a big problem when you have a super majority of any political party in control for an extended amount of time, is that they count on your civil liberties. And the issue here, I'm telling you, uh, we have um, way too many laws on the books, uh, but we already have laws dealing with the fact that you're not, not allowed to drink and drive in this in this state. So why do we need more laws? Uh, the bigger problem here and the more embarrassing part of this, the legislation coming from two West Tennessee lawmakers, uh, uh, Paul Rose and Ron Gant. So I, I'm sure they're well-meaning, but the reality is we don't need more government intrusion into our lives. And that is a bedrock of the Republican Party, Ben, small government. And what's happening in Tennessee? The Republicans are growing government intervention into our lives. Yeah, yeah. All right. So speaking of folks claiming that legislation is intrusive, I wanted to run this past you because a Senate bill passed yesterday. You've got the LGBT activists. They say this is controversial and this is gay hatred. It would be a bill that allows pastors, religious leaders to decide who they want to officiate weddings for. We've seen this across the country. The bill would add 10 words to the law and states that a person is not required to officiate a marriage if they have an objection to officiating that marriage based on their conscious or religious beliefs. Now, the guy behind this legislation is a Republican by the name of Monty Fritz. Here he is in Cut 19. This bill is designed to be simply and clearly to protect uh, the rights of the efficient officiants of wedding ceremonies. And I don't think there's any law that says I have to go go through, but there's no law that says I don't, I, I'm not required to either. So this would just make it clear. So the pushback on the left comes from guys like this pastor named Travis that preaches at a First Lutheran Church in downtown Nashville. Take a listen. Cut 20. As a part of my ordination vows, I am to speak about justice issues in the world, and so I take that very seriously. It's regressive. Um, it has the potential to turn back hard-fought victories for multiple groups of people, certainly the LGBTQ community, interracial marriage. Um, it just gives somebody almost a free-for-all to do what they want. Hmm. I'll let you respond to that. Can a church be forced to host a same-sex wedding or marriage? No, the answer is is no. And again, this is yet another example of Republican overreach. We already have a law on the books it's enshrined in, in our founding documents. We have freedom of religion. There are no churches in America that are forced 
to uh, participate in some sort of a same-sex ceremony. And if that were to be the case, that would be a situation that would be ultimately adjudicated at the Supreme Court, where it would need to be adjudicated. We don't need more laws on the books giving pastors rights. They already have those rights. And again, Ben, I'm telling you, this is we have to be very careful because these kinds of laws, and, and I get it, both of them are, are well-meaning, but we already have laws on the books addressing you know, the, the problems that these, uh, these habits cause. Um, we don't need more laws on the books. And if we're not careful, Republicans are going to legislate themselves into the minority. Mm, mm. All right. Well said. I really appreciate you pointing that out. That bill will now go to the governor for a signature, Todd, because it already passed in the House. It went through the Senate yesterday. So it is going to be a new law among many others with this supermajority. So can we talk about the national security threat? You were on air when all of this started happening. You picked it up with your Newsmax show. Are we being told the truth here? That's the question. Well, you know, I, I brought this up with, uh, with, with, with Congressman Matt Rosendale from Montana. He was on the Newsmax show. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, we really can't talk about it. You know, but the issue is people are talking about it. And, and my bigger concern is all of these secrets that are leaking out of the Capitol right now. I mean, these are matters of national security. We don't need to be talking about these on the mainstream media. But when they leak out and, the, and when you have the chairman of the Intelligence Committee saying there is a clear and present danger to the nation, you better believe every news organization of the country is going to set off the alarm bells. We did. And so I don't blame any of this on the media. I blame it on Congress. And again, I hate to say this, but but I blame it on the Republicans. So what was the point? And, and a lot of other Republicans are wondering why um, Mike Johnson came out and released this information. Ultimately, Ben, this goes back to the year of my birth, 1967, when the nations of the Earth, of planet Earth, agreed of to assign the Outer Space Treaty. And basically, this guarantees there will be no hostilities on places like the Moon or Jupiter or Mars. Wow. But it specifically prohibits putting nuclear weapons or any other kind of weapon of mass destruction in outer space. And even it even goes so far as to say you're not allowed to station weapons uh, on celestial bodies. So you can't put a, you know, a nuclear a nuclear bomb on the moon, for example. Mm. And that's that's the issue here. If Russia is doing this, this would be a direct violation of the Outer Space Treaty. All right. All right. I will we'll talk about it more. Obviously, you will on your national show um, and you'll play all the audio, all of the reactions from lawmakers and you, you've got them on the national show. Um, last question I wanted to ask you because you tweeted this out. I think it's very interesting. We talked about the Kansas City shooting at the top of the hour, and you said this. Notice how the media is not even remotely curious about the shooters or their motive. There's not even a story on the KC Star website about the suspects. You asked the question, I wonder why. I'll give you a minute. I wonder why. Hashtag young scholar. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there, uh, <laughs> that, always, that always triggers people. Young scholars. Uh, I wasn't scared to say it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, 
No, look, um, it's it's true, though, and it doesn't fit the narrative. That's why we're not hearing anything about the Lakewood church shooting uh, and the fact that transgender people have been radicalized um, against Christians and they're, they're shooting up our church houses. But even more, ask yourself this question. Why aren't we even talking? Why aren't our leaders talking about the level of violence here in Memphis? Do you think they would be if all of the shooters over the past two years would have been white people? You darn well better believe it. Ah, Todd, you can't. It doesn't fit the narrative. You can't ask those questions, and you can't raise those points because you're deemed a racist, but you're exactly, exactly right. When I saw some of the images of these suspected shooters, it looks like our, our problem here in Memphis. That's all I'll say, and that is why this story vanishes in one, two, and three. Todd will be listening at 11. Thanks for dropping by. Thanks a lot, Ben. Appreciate it. Great show. All right, good stuff, and shout out to Todd, the guys... Behind the board yesterday, Earl Farrell, the host of the afternoon show. We had a lot of breaking news, not just locally, but nationally. They jumped on board and delivered and projected a lot of news to a lot of listeners because KWAM is the place where the city of Memphis goes for breaking news. More on the other side. Don't go away. Congressman Mark Green wrapping it up after spending a couple years in Congress. He was the congressman over in the middle part of the state. Here's what he said in a statement that he gave you, RKM listeners, an exclusive because Mark Green is a friend of the morning show and a bigger friend of the Todd Start show. I know Todd and Mark Green are good friends. Here's what he said in a statement. I thought it was really interesting, and we don't see this by a lot of elected officials. says this, At the start of the 118th Congress, I promised my constituents to pass legislation to secure our southern border and to hold Secretary Mayorkas accountable. Today, with the House having passed H.R. 2 and Secretary Mayorkas impeached, it is time for me to return home. In the last few months, in reading the writings of our framers, I was reminded of their intent for representatives to be citizen legislators to serve for a season, then return home. Our country and our Congress is broken, broken beyond most means of repair. I have come to realize our fight is not here within Washington. Our fight is with Washington. Wow. He goes and ends with this. As I have done my entire life, I will continue serving this country, but in a new capacity. What is that new capacity? Well, there are rumors that maybe he works in the Trump administration if Trump wins or probably a bigger rumor is that he might run for the the governor's seat. In 2026, he told KWAM this exclusively. I just thought it would be wrong to run for re-election and then immediately ask for that job. Get it and turn around and quit to go to another job. So, Rumors, speculation, what does Mark Green do next? This guy's the limit for this guy because he's a patriot and just a really good, really good, good guy and a good friend of the show. All right, speaking of elected officials, we're going to talk to one that's never been one before, which is always interesting, right? And someone, an outlier, someone who's not in the political process but wants to do something to fix typically broken political processes or broken systems. Leading us to our next guest, Lisa Arnold, 
Republican candidate for Shelby County General Sessions Court Clerk, also a bail bond agent. We've had her on the show. She's an expert. She's been in this business 40 years. She joins the morning show now. Lisa, welcome to Wake Up Memphis. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? I am well. The question I am going to ask you is, how are you doing? I mean, it's not every day you just wake up and decide to run for office, especially an important seat like this. So, Lisa, why? Well, one of the main reason I'm running is uh, I'm born and raised in Memphis, been here my whole life. I started working in General Sessions Court Clerk's Office at the age of 15. Anytime I was out of school, back then you could work uh, for the county at 15. I went on full-time with the office at the age of 17, and I worked my way up through the ranks. I've worked with six different elected clerks in that position. I retired from that same office at the age of 50 years old. And I've sat here and watched the city and see everything that's going on and how the clerk's office is. It's not working like it did when I first started working down there. So I'm passionate about getting in the office, getting the office to a place where it is transparent and that I can help the citizens of Shelby County. And when they come to the office, I want them to have a good experience instead of a bad experience waiting in lines and not the office, not being transparent when they come down, not being able to get information that they need. That's readily available. So I want to bring that, bring the customer service back. I'm, I'm a public servant. And I want to serve the public the way that I was doing when I worked there for almost 35 years and then back into the system as a bell bondsman. I still work in the system pretty much daily to weekly dealing with things in General Sessions criminal division. Hmm. But with that said, I've, I've worked in General Sessions civil division and criminal division. And if I was to have go into the office first thing in the morning, I could go to the civil side or the criminal side, sit down and work in any department within that office. And there's several departments within the general sessions clerk's office. Hmm. That's interesting. I think a question that a lot of people would have, and I know I had before I went down to the, both the general sessions and the um the criminal court um was what does this position actually do like what does a shelby county general sessions court clerk their daily responsibilities look like can you share that with us sure as a general sessions clerk you are the keeper of the records that means all the civil lawsuits that come in uh the evictions emergency mental health commitments on the civil side, make sure that the data is entered into the system correctly so that the backlog of cases are in the system to be able to go to the sheriff's department or private process servers and be served to get on the docket so that people that are trying to collect money on the civil side can get that. Now, on the criminal side, General Sessions, when every time when you turn the news on, the criminal side... Pretty much, you're good. that's where a case originates at. 
So when someone's arrested to go to court, all of that is handled through General Sessions Criminal Division. And also environmental court, which takes care of the blight in Memphis that I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are tired of seeing. Uh, I just want to get in there and get the office up to date, be a public servant, serve the citizens of Shelby County, and make sure that the job is done and everything's done in a timely manner. All the records are kept. Uh, files are not being lost or misplaced. And just working to make make the office better for the citizens of Shelby County. And I also want to say that this is a Shelby County-wide election. Yeah, so this is important. If you live in Bartlett, Collierville, Millington, any Shelby County unincorporated, anywhere, if you live within Shelby County, then yeah, this is office is for Shelby County citizens, not just confined to the city of Memphis. Lisa Arnold, Republican candidate for Shelby County General Sessions Court Clerk, on our phone lines, the sole Republican running against a couple of Democrats, and you raise a, a good point, which typically Shelby County, the county-wide elections, are partisan, where you've got four other Democrats. I could go through the list. A lot of people are concerned. You know, Tammy Sawyer. We're not going to jump into all of that. Why do we, do we know why it is partisan? I mean, they are partisan. Look at how the Shelby County Commission and the mayor, that's a Republican versus Democrats. But when you look at how the office has been run and how it could be run, do you think it does make a difference with who is in that office and how they they vote and what side of the political aisle they are on? That would be a a yes and no. It's really about having someone that goes to work, shows up, and is there and has good leadership skills and can put the people in positions that know the flow, the day-to-day flow of the office to keep it running. It's all about making sure that this office is top-notch and keeping... Having that competency and having the the ability to make appointments and keep it moving, right? Because that's the issue is everything is jammed up and backlogged. Um, Lisa, this is a race we'll keep an eye on. I do want to plug that early voting started yesterday and it goes until the 27th, correct? Uh, correct. And then the uh, primary is March 5th. So after March 5th, whoever wins on the Democratic side, then the general election for Shelby County it's August 1st. August the 1st. So it will be, August 1st will be the winner of the Democrat or Republican side. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good stuff. So we'll be following that. Yep. All four Democrats, they are vying for the nomination. That will take place in a couple weeks. Then all of the candidates on the Republican side, which there is only one, that is Lisa, and the winner of the Democratic nomination process will go back to back, head to head. And that will happen on August 1st, and we'll be watching that. Lisa, best of luck to you. We'll get you back on and continue on, because I know a lot of people were frustrated that there was not a Republican option on the ballot. And you looked, and you said, that's me. And you stepped up to the plate. So we appreciate that. And That's, that's uh, it. I, uh, I, like I said, I came 
I'm coming out of retirement to work again in that office because I do want to make a difference for the city of Memphis that I grew up in. It's it's gotten to the point where I don't even recognize the city anymore. And with my knowledge and experience, I know that I can get in there and make a difference and work for the county taxpayers, the city taxpayers. I can work in that office with my knowledge and experience and bring it back to a level that I know that it should be. All right, good stuff. Going to leave it there, guys. Get out and vote early. It started yesterday and will continue on for a couple more days. All right, on the other side of the break, our mayor, Mayor Paul Young, sat down with the Daily Memphian and he has a couple answers to some questions concerning how Beale Street is being maintained, the fact that the Grizzlies are upset with Beale Street, right? They say they want cleaner streets. They prefer people are not shot there when their fans are coming to the FedEx Forum. Also, he was asked about the revolving door of 201 Poplar, these incredibly low, low bonds that are being set. Speaking of bond agents. And he responded, also, we have what feels maybe like an apology by a guy who does not apologize. Travis Kelsey sat down with his brother, Jason Kelsey, on their podcast, and he addresses him beating up his coach, Andy Reid. We'll have that on the other side. Don't go away. Things to know before you go or scoot out the door on this Thursday. By the way, it's Thursday. Thank God. And a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day out there. Um, We'll see temperatures almost in the 70s, much like yesterday. It was just a great, great day. Lots of sun. All right. Dylan Dandridge, um, pulled him in real quick because we're going to roll through a couple different headlines. Hi, Dylan. Hi, how's it going? Welcome. You came from that side into this side. Yeah, five feet away. Yeah, okay, cool. But you're sitting down and you're ready to go. I'm here. All right. So the Grizzlies want to see changes to Beale Street. According to the Daily Memphian, they want cleaner streets. So they sat down. Sam Hardiman, their reporter with Memphis Mayor Paul Young, here's how he responded when asked, what should Beale Street look like in five years? He responds this way. Bill Street should be vibrant. We have spaces on the streets that are currently not active, and we want to see those spaces activated with businesses. We'd like to see more daytime traffic, businesses that can accommodate earlier traffic, so potentially breakfast spaces. Um, He goes on to say, we have a lot of ideas and things that we would like to see happen on Bill Street so that we can see an 18-hour vibrancy as opposed to the vibrancy being only when there is a game or the weekend. He says, Beale Street should be the epicenter of this city. The problem is, is everything has shut down. Yeah. One of our, uh, uh, the businesses are leaving. Yeah. Um, Our friends don't like to go downtown anymore. Every weekend, I'm asking you guys to come downtown to hang out. We can go a couple places. We can go uh, grab some food at SOB. Yeah. Well, yesterday, SOB had to cancel all, and that's south of Beale, by the way. Mm. They had to cancel all of their Valentine's Day reservations because there was like madness happening on uh, on South Main Street and in the apartments above. So everybody that wanted to. So that's the problem, right? It all goes back to crime. Moving on to another question he was asked. He was asked about Quadrarian Craft. That's the 20-year-old that went on the crime spree over the weekend. Here's what Sam, the reporter, asked Paul, the mayor. Um, Should someone that has been accused of shooting someone be out on bond? <laughs> Paul Young says, no, I don't think so. No, I think certainly you have to look at the preponderance of evidence. 
He goes on to say this is something that has been talked about. We're having these dialogues with the police chief, the district attorney, because it's very important that we can get individuals to trial faster so that we can keep them in jail during the period between the trial or just set the bond so incredibly high that they can't post it. That's what you need to do. All right, moving on. So Jason Kelsey has a podcast. Explain who Jason Kelsey is. Jason Kelsey is the center for the Philadelphia Eagles. Him and Travis Kelsey have a podcast called New Heights. They're brothers. Yeah. They seem like pretty good friends. Yeah. They're really close. So here is a moment on the podcast yesterday where they, where basically Jason, the older brother, calls out his younger brother for losing it on the coach. Take a listen. The broadcast showed you having a heated exchange with Coach Reed. <laughs> so heated. People are all over this. I mean, I get it. You cross the line. I think we can both agree on that. I can't get that fired up to the point where I'm bumping Coach and it's getting him off balance and stuff. I mean, let's be honest. The, the yelling in his face, too, is over the top. I think there's better ways to handle this. I love Coach Reed. Coach Reed knows how much I'd love to play for him. I'm not playing for anybody else but Big Red. If he calls it quits this year, I'm, I'm out there with him, man. He ain't calling it quits. Come on now. He's not. I immediately wish I would have took a back. Coach Reed actually came right up to me after that, and he just let him know, hey, man, I love your passion. I got cameras on me all over the place, man. He's letting you know not not to be like that. Just fired me up even more to go out there and get a f-ing victory for him, man. Big Red, sorry if I uh, caught you with that cheap shot, baby, but damn, I love winning with you. You got to have your head on a swivel, because next time he gets fired up at you, he's coming hot at you. You know that. Oh, yeah, I deserve it. If he would have cold cocked me in the face right there, I would have just ate it and just been like, yeah, let's f- Go. I'm not trying to make this situation acceptable, but this is what happens when you have highly motivated, passionate individuals. This doesn't happen if you and Andy aren't as close as you are. That's what nobody knows. The reason this happens is because you two love each other so much and respect each other so much that you feel open enough to have an interaction like this. It wasn't me mad at Coach Reed as as it looks. It was the frustration of our team not having success, turning the ball over, and me being on the sideline. On the sideline. Damn it. It was pleading with your head coach to let you go out there and win this month. That's what it was. Me and you both know what it was. Andy knows what you mean to him. We're done. We'll pull it down. So that was the apology with a lot of swearing in it. Is it enough? I mean, he basically just diverted and saying, well, we're close. So I, you know, that's just us, you know, but it's a coach and a player. They're not best friends. That would be like me and my boss are close, right? We work very hard together, but... I respect my boss because I must. He is like the goat of broadcasting. And it's like not, the greatest of all time. Well, it's not like unacceptable. Like, it's not. Ver- it wasn't just verbal. Like it was, it was like, verbal, and he literally almost knocked him to the ground. Mm-hmm. Like you just can't. Do it was that. so violent that all of the Swifties are about ready to oh, blacklist yeah. this guy. I hope so because I'm sick of seeing her at the games. <laughs> but you know, I, I'm glad that he called him out. I'm glad that he had you know. Yeah. The, the awareness to the, say this was not good. He ate some humble pie. Do you are you a gamer? I'm a gamer. Explain what a gamer is for folks. I mean, I think I, it's pretty self evident, but it's like what the cool kids say. There's I, a wild there's, bug flying around in the I think this it's studio. a ladybug. I'm scared. Right, okay, yeah. a gamer is basically, you know, someone that uses their free time to game. You know, people use their free time for books, they're kind napping. Of, they're kind of freaky. They dress in black and okay, no. they typically have Gouges right. in their ears. Yeah. Scary, scary sure. looking people. Well, you don't know what a gamer is. Though. One in five active gamers identify as LGBTQ or plus. But the community, according to a new report, say they feel unrepresented in video games. So do we need to see some queer Call of Duty soldiers to right <laughs> this wrong? That's the question. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I don't care. 
I mean, if you feel that way, then sure. But are the game developers one in five LGBT? But, you know, the gamers themselves. I <sighs> Would this help gay people if they saw gay characters <laughs> in, like, a Call of Duty? I, as you can tell, I'm not yes. a gamer, so I'm only referring... What about Mario I mean, Kart? Is that a gaming? <laughs> <laughs> there's probably some. Uh, there's probably some. Yoshi is a little questionable. Well, Yoshi is a little soft. Mario and Luigi. There's something Luigi, going on with there. You know, they're brothers, the, but it's, yeah, exactly. Something nefarious is going on. <laughs> <laughs> Those bananas aren't really. Okay, we're done. All right. So moving on. Speaking of B, not the LGBTQ. Beyonce. She's gone country. <laughs> what on earth? So she unleashed her southern twang with a new single. This came out day after the Super Bowl. It's called Texas Hold'em and 16 Carriages. Um, she is going to release her whole country album, Act Number Two. That's a Roman numeral on March 29th. So she's trying to do like the Taylor Swift, but mm-hmm. inverse it. Yeah. I'll listen to it. A lot of these radio stations are saying, we're not playing your country. <laughs> <laughs> They'll have to move her out of pop and rap. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, if it can help her get another Grammy, because yeah. I think she is the single biggest title holder of all the Grammys, and if it can save the marriage where Jay-Z doesn't have to go to every Grammy award ceremony and take the, the microphone and, and lambast anybody that took Beyonce's, Queen Bee's Grammy, this might be the solution to that. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a big country guy, and I'm not a big Queen Bee guy. So... <laughs> On that note, let's wrap the show, right? That's what they're telling us. Yes, it's been fun. We're going to do it all over again. Tomorrow, it is Friday, meaning Friends with Friday. How fun will that be? Kind of felt like we were doing that this morning with my friends Tripp and Dylan. And thanks for helping out making this show a success. We'll see you guys bright and early tomorrow starting at 7. Have a great day.